Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I am your host for this week, Len, and I am joined today by our good friend John Balding. Howdy. And our good friend Ian Boudreaux. Hello, everybody. My my only friends. You're the only ones that that I can I can truly count on to discuss uh, how strategy games should uh portray the uh the great schism of uh uh and 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 things <laughs> like that um the only ones who truly understand right yes. yeah exactly um yeah brett was actually busy he was he was interested in this show too but maybe we can get we can figure out how to get his thoughts on this topic at some point later down the line but what we're doing this week is we are uh we're gonna start revisiting some like big ideas in strategy games that we have done episodes on in the past but it was like more than a decade ago which still boggles my mind to think that the show is more than a decade old <laughs> um yeah yeah so cuz you know game design marches forward and uh you know there's there's a lot of kind of no-brainer episodes that uh, I think are worth another pass. And uh, this week we're revisiting the idea of religion in strategy games, which last we talked about in 2009, I think is what Troy was saying. Um, so it's a very, very different world. Uh, very di- different world back in, in 2009. Yeah, I don't know what, um, what you all were doing in 2009, but... Uh... God, Rob this. is Rob is trying to get us to play tank battles. We're literally recording a podcast right now, man. <laughs> is that what just you just got a DM pop up? The, yeah. Uh, um, I am. Yeah. I think I think we should uh, put an edit note here, but also tell him that if it's time to tank battle, he should he has time to get on a fucking religion podcast. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Hop yeah. on. Hop on the Discord. It's yeah. Well, let's let's get. <laughs> Get some impressions. Um, yeah, yeah. So, if you think about it, you know, it it's almost like we're looking at this as from from like a, a blank slate perspective because the games that I I think about when I think about how religion is portrayed in games, most of them were not out yet in two thousand and nine. I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't have absolutely. I didn't have a, I didn't have a chance to go back and listen to that episode to uh, listen to exactly which games they talked about. Obviously, Civ is one that uh, that that generally comes up, but like Civ, I don't Civ Five wasn't even out in two thousand nine, was it? Like, nope. or at least oh, the expansion. No. Yeah, twenty ten. So we're so we're yeah, talking like still have been four Civ Four era. I didn't even know who Paradox was at that point. Um, but um, sort of the idea I had in mind when I was putting together this show, and I'm curious if, if either of you will agree or disagree with this assessment, but I was kind of thinking about how traditionally in strategy games, religion has been sort of a set of modifiers that you slap onto a state or a kingdom or a government, and it's very much like a top-down state-directed thing. And then that in more recent years, it had shifted towards mechanics that sort of view religion from a bottom up perspective as as something that the people are doing and you kind of have to react to it as the leader of a country. But what I found is that that's not really the case, Um, not nearly as much as I I had maybe imagined Um, to where even if you look at at. you know, the thing that sort of inspired us to do this, this episode now, which is the, the sacred and the profane DLC that just came out for old world. Right. Um, It still really is. A lot of it is, is about the state's relationship with the state religion. So yeah, like I was kind of disappointed when I realized that like, I don't really know that, strategy games have changed how they think about religion that much in the last i think like, that uh 14 years or so i think that we have i think that the decision to make 
religions a source of conflict, right, has arisen. Because 2010, we're looking at like the Civ Four era of a very basic, you can spread a religion to someone else, um, and you can have better relations with someone else who has the same like state religion of you. If I'm remembering this all correctly, right. Mm-hmm. And the key with that is that that was sort of the end of it, right? You get, uh, you have to build a special building, right? Like a special cathedral building that gave you a bonus, um, happiness or something like that. If like that was your state religion or that was the city's religion. Whereas, now the the more modern paradox games especially use those little religion tags not just to put modifiers but to cause discontent and unrest within your country and to encourage other controlled nations to go to war with you to get those provinces right that have a majority of whatever religion from you and that is a more that is a that is a richer experience and i think there also have been some other representations that are more robust but i'm not sure that we've come much further than simply iterating on some of those older mechanics it is interesting that yeah you you have at least some kind of um and and paradox games do this i think old world does as well where like you at least religion isn't just an attribute of a faction right that gives them specific magic powers or bonuses or something and now you have at least a recognition that like the population can have different feelings about it or be maybe members of the state religion or a different one. And it's this cross-cutting um, kind of uh, you know, group membership that's overlaid over over top of the the factional differences that you'll see in a game. So politically it makes for more interesting decision making now, I think, just to, to speak a little bit broadly, I guess. Thinking right. of paradox games and well, Victoria specifically. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, Victoria 2 is timed just after that first religion show. It's That was 09, and Victoria 2 is the next year in 2010. That's how long ago the religion show was. Yeah, that's how long ago the religion show was. (laughs) December 2009. Uh, And that is a major paradigm shift, I think, in a lot of ways, especially as regards religion, because of Victoria's attempt to simulate populations en masse, right? Uh, you could for the first time be like, this is a, this is an area that is overwhelmingly Protestant, but it has a significant Catholic minority, or this is an overwhelmingly animist area that is ruled by a Christian colonizing minority or what have you, right? You like, you've got a, uh, a balance and a change and obviously Victoria by its nature as a game set during the industrial revolution starts to engage with the idea of faith becoming either an intensified tool of the state and culture or beginning to be abandoned as a fundamental tool of the state and culture by the time of something like the Russian revolution. And those are serious shifts that are just on the cusp of being modeled in the last decade, right? We've just really started to try and make those kind of systems work in games and in strategy games, uh, video games specifically. Yeah. And, and even, you know, jumping ahead to, to Victoria three, uh, with, you know, the various religious interest groups, I think that's one of the more interesting ways I've seen them use religion is as a driver of conflict is is like the idea that the religious are a power block that um have some interesting upsides and downsides like it depends on what country you're playing um but generally they're going to be your early proponents of social welfare and obviously they they want the church to run the social welfare which is kind of the trade-off. Um, but if you want, you know, like hospitals and schools early, they're they're kind of the ones to do it. But then, you know, they they have a lot of conservative ideas that might become a problem down the line if you want to make a modern sort of liberal state. Um, I agree with you, though. I do think that that idea of 
the religious group as power block mm-hmm. in in a set of shifting power blocks is an extremely modern opinion. Like it, it, it applies more to contemporary society and how we look at the past than it does about necessarily how people in the past thought about themselves and their religions. Right. Like if you look at the state apparatus of ancient Rome or whatever, the the religious positions and the civic positions are appointed often by the same set of authorities who consider themselves to be both religious and civic authorities. This is a, the kind of thing also you get in like the the Viking culture, the ancient Norse, where oh, yeah. you have a yeah. guy who's both chief and head priest of any given tribe. Right. Yeah. Well, and I've also. I've also talked in the past about how even just the idea that like you have a province where the people have like a specific religious label is very much kind of a modern conception of things. Because right, yeah. if, if you went if you went to Scandinavia in the 8th century, you went to some like farm in Norway and asked somebody what religion they were, they'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking?" Sure. Yeah, that that and they would have differences between their religion and what we would model as the same religion in Iceland. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's it makes it very hard to portray like folk practice and indigenous. um, I don't even like to call it religion, like indigenous folk ways, basically around the world, because, yeah, you might have people one village over who do things completely differently. Well, I mean, Um, very much, I think. The idea of religion in terms of mechanics in strategy games is often inextricably tied to the idea of organized religion specifically and often treated as an inevitable march towards organization of religion, which simply isn't the case. Yeah. um, Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I feel like when, yeah, when you're, when you're going, that's the problem that you run into when you're going to systematize it to the point you can make game right uh you you have to decide i think pretty early on like is this a what is religion is it a is it a is it a politics thing is it a uh or i mean the other the other branch that you could go off in is is this a way to experience reality (laughs) and treat it the all the mythological claims or anything as basically real which i think is kind of a neat thing that uh total war did with Three Kingdoms and uh, and to an extent with Troy. Um, in terms of mechanics, though, I don't know that that's necessarily as interesting as treating it as a you know a social and political um, force, which is what you find in the more kind of I'd say modern liberally constructed paradox games. I guess. Yeah, and this is mm. I think this is something that. I don't remember if it was Brett who brought this up at one point, but like one of the most difficult things for a lot of modern people to understand, especially if we're looking at, you know, um, a game studio in Northern Europe, which is like, you know, they're from one of the most kind of agnostic cultures in the world today is the idea that like how much people in the past really, really, truly believed their own religion. And this has been one of my criticisms of, of Crusader Kings three as well, is that I don't think it really captures, you know, if you, especially if you have like a zealous character, I don't think it really captures how much the average person and, and even like the elite aristocracy really, I mean, they didn't have other answers about how the universe worked. This was just accepted as, you know, the, the most accurate possible model of reality. Um, uh, yeah. And there's a depth, there's a cultural depth to that. Right. So like mm-hmm. when you're talking about the, the high, the high and late middle ages, you are talking about a world in which there is sort of a pervasive belief that like, number one, God controls everything. Number two, if if God doesn't currently have their ha- have God's eye upon any current situation, it is controlled by the horoscopes of the moving stars in the heavens, which God set in motion. Right? Like mm-hmm. there's a, a, a there are layers of of meaning and cultural significance to so many 
religious behaviors that get completely elided uh, in a game like Crusader Kings, which is developed very much from a modern perspective on those religions rather than a contemporary to the game one. Yeah, it it, it is maybe impossible to um, capture, like if you're going to make a game about the whole world and multiple different cultures, like the fact that they all have to more or less work the same way is a pretty severe limitation when the cultures involved literally experienced reality differently based on these, you know, the the way that that religion um, formed the explanations and stories and motivations for everything that was happening. And it's not just a, I don't think it's just a challenge of, Oh, the, the developers aren't, you know, doing enough to, to portray the world the way the people then would have seen it. I think a lot of it is also just that as a, as players, as modern players, we ourselves have a hard time sort of putting ourselves in that mindset. Like you have to, you have to role play pretty hardcore <laughs> if you're playing <laughs> Crusader Kings to, to like, if you really want to like get into that headspace of like, I am a zealous Catholic crusader in the 11th century who truly is making all of my decisions based on, you know, the fact that I believe, you know, everything that my particular branch of this religion has told me quite literally, including, you know, the really mystical and and like apocalyptic stuff. Not saying that there aren't people today who, who also feel that way, but, uh, you know, Back then, there wasn't even anything really to compete with it other than, you know, other other religious traditions that had their own sort of, uh, you know, metaphysical explanations for things. Um, And, you know, our culture has has. Changed quite a lot (laughs) since then, I think, as a baseline. So it's it's also tough, you know, for us, I think just just playing these games regardless of of uh of the design decisions behind them to um put ourselves in that place to to put ourselves in the place of like somebody who believes literally they were d- like divinely put here to rule over <laughs> other people like that's yeah. that's just a hard thing to wrap your head around i think even if you're you know a fairly religious person in the modern day the idea that you know god or the gods chose specific people to be special and to be in charge it is i mean it, it may just be something that's fundamentally at odds with a fun strategy game to um i mean to not treat as i think most paradox games kind of you know uh end up uh, treating religious decisions or decisions that have to do with uh you're you're basically able to make coldly rational calculations about anything that has to do with your relationship to church or faith or um, uh, the practice of it. Um, And, you know, what's going to benefit me the most? And that's just, yeah, I I think what we're kind of getting around here is that that's just not really how that worked. But if you take that out of a game, like, you know, is it a strategy game anymore? And would it be fun if it was? I think that, it starts to become about making games about religious events, right? You, as you drill down into these deeper questions, you end up creating entire games about specific things. There, there are whole board games about the Reformation um, and things like that, right? That are sort of fundamental strategy games. Like Virgin Queen is about the wars of religion, the Thirty Years' War. Um, the the environment that leads up to all that stuff, right? There's really these really famous games that exist for those explicit purposes of trying to model one moment in history and give the correct people the correct motivations using the mechanics so that the players create historically plausible outcomes. It's a very difficult balancing act to get that right for single, you know, 50-year periods, let alone broad expanses of history. And there is, I mean, even within any one of those moments, there's such a range of, of of experiences of religion, because I'm sure that like, you know, maybe I'm just going off of movies, but there certainly were people involved in the 
um, medieval church who were coldly cynical about it. And there were people who were true believers too. So yeah, like how do you certainly, yeah, how do you, how do you get at all of that over 500 years or more um, with one set of rules? That's, that's not a challenge. I don't, I think I'd be. Yeah. Up well, and there's also, there's all these debates that, that, um, you know, stuff in the early church like Christolo Christology, you know, monophysitism and neophysitism and like all these debates about, you know, you know, Trinitarians and non-Trinitarians that were like, this was a huge deal <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Like it, it was like the hugest deal at the time. But I think the way that, you know, the, the design paradigms that strategy games have sort of fallen into over the years it's it's kind of hard to make that feel important. I mean, the the Protestant Reformation maybe is a little bit easier because, you know, there was a huge war over it that lasted for a long time, multiple wars. And that's something that you can systematize is that, OK, well, we're going to shoot at each other because we don't agree about indulgences or whatever. Um, but like, yeah, you almost would need to, like, design a game that's like about, you know, the Council of Nikea and and yeah. sort of like have that be the whole thrust of the game um, to to make that matter as much as it, I think it did to at least the theologians at the time. A, a whole whole last game about sort of horse trading <laughs> with the Armenian church to get the Gnostics kicked out. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, actually, like, when I say it like that, it kind of sounds like it would totally it rule. Fun. Yeah. Well, that's what. Yeah. It's not a strategy game, but it definitely makes me think of Pentiment, which was one of my favorite games of the last year where it's a very deeply religious game. Yeah, it is. And there's a lot of like uh, opportunities where like if your character has a theological background, you can like argue Aquinas with, <laughs> you know, the prior of the Abbey to, you know, get your way because you're better at quoting the Bible than he is. Um so that like that would be an interesting game, I think, if you were if your goal was like to advance your position at an ecumenical church council and and like that's what your victory is going to be based on is like, did did your particular theology win people over? Um, but it's hard to integrate into <laughs> as like an aspect of a game that's also about warfare and diplomacy and uh internal politics and demographics and, and things like that yeah I, I certainly agree though at the same time you know there are there are differently or less comprehensive games that deal explicitly with religion and with mimicking the concepts of religion or at least creating their stories like if you look at dominions this is an entire game about like being a god founding a religion and trying to spread it uh, to the rest of the world at the tip of a sword if you have to, right? You're literally trying to crush and do away with other religions. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's kind of the classic, like, that's kind of how Civ has treated it as well, is like you win if your religion replaces all the other religions and becomes the biggest religion. Yeah, sort of. Um, I mean, but that even that's sort of a Civ sixty <sighs> outcome, right? Um, Civs like five and six is when like the idea of a religion victory starts to coalesce. Whereas with right older Civs and with like humankind, which has I mean, it has its own suite of problems and a, a very sort of underdeveloped uh, classic. Just like it's a slap a modifier on it view of religion, but those are games in which religion is a secondary theater to human relationship uh and in civ it's treated as a way in which you can win which uh, you know pull in uh the ghost of rowan here for a second to be like <laughs> the alternate victory conditions in civ aren't actually very fun which is a little bit true in in certain ways but actually i think religion is, is one of the ones is that's rowan british now <laughs> It's the ghost of Rowan. Okay. Okay. So, so it's sort of a Hamlet die, thing going on here. Yeah. Yeah. When you die, you be, you become a Shakespearean caricature of yourself. Correct. Yeah. That <laughs> okay. is, 
Got it. My personal religion is that that is true. Anyways, the the deal with uh, those big Civ style apocalyptic religious throwdowns is that they somehow make you the winner, right? Like you pick this religion, it becomes a state religion, and then you spread it to the entire rest of the world. And by doing so, you, you know, you win, you assure your empire's immortality, right? Like that's how you win is by wiping out every other religion on the planet, which there's so many religions that do not care about that kind of stuff. Right. I was just going to say that like, not all religions are proselytize at all. Right. Like that's only the goal of a subset, kind of a small subset of, religions yeah and then there are sort so it does, of like, it does kind of assume certain things about what religion really is yeah and into that and i think that a big one is religious cultural interaction can can be a huge deal where certain real certain cultures and cultural regions are clearly historically at least much more predisposed and ready to adopt other religions and religious beliefs syncretically and blend them into what they already believe and know, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is a big thing that you see with like the Mongol conquests where they eventually end up switching on mass to other religions or, and spreading it throughout their lands, but also retaining a lot of their traditional cultural practice or with the spread of um, Christianity in sub-Saharan Africa, where you're looking at like, uh, and Civ tried to to model this with um, the Congo faction who get a bonus when people spread religions to them, mm-hmm. right? Rather than spreading a religion of their own. And I think that that's an interesting new direction by recognizing that different groups of people react to religious influence in different ways. Yeah, that was a really interesting inversion of sort of like the default logic of of how a Civ game goes. Um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's also like, a, you know, we've, we've talked about religion as being like something where you slap a modifier on it, or, you know, sometimes you'll get like a special warrior monk unit or something. Um, CK3, I think of as a game that, that it is trying to get away from that and is doing it fairly successfully. And that you do have those modifiers, but then you also it it affects gameplay in in these qualitative ways. Like, how does your realm feel about witchcraft? How does your realm feel about homosexuality or polyamory and things like that, which have these like knock on effects to all of these other game systems, Um, which is, I think, a much more interesting way to do it. Um, it is still like establishing one doctrine that is kind of like a nationwide standard, though, whereas my hope would be to take that and say, OK, well, this is like. This is like what 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 like a religious, you know, religious scholarship would call like a cult of the elite, but then have the practice of like the people in the countryside is a lot more localized and a lot more diverse and that maybe it would come into conflict with, you know, the cult of the elite and you kind of have to decide, do I let that slide? Or like, is the Pope going to be breathing down my neck to like get the peasants in line and, and tell them to stop, you know, worshiping this idol at the harvest festival? Like, stuff like that that really did happen um where there's there's a tension between you know the 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 folk waves of the common people and and you know this these i don't want to say state because if we're talking about the medieval era at least there aren't really nation states but cults of the aristocracy which often had little to do with you know farmer johan who is you know leaving honey out for the elves because his father and his grandfather taught him that it would you know bring a better harvest right and i think it's possible that some of the this ground level stuff will for a while yet really only appear in a lot of strategy games as fundamental um window dressing as narrative events, you know, pop-ups. I, I don't think a lot of these sorts of decisions are going to broadly 
blend in except in more ground level games uh city builders i think uh your frost punks have been especially lax in yeah. their treatments of religion though yeah. Frostpunk itself does have one of the you know one of the two primary decisions you make is are we going to embrace religion to survive or are we going to embrace uh sort of doctrinal modern yeah. statism police state to survive right and part of that religious decision really does fundamentally change what and how your organization functions right like suddenly you've got groups of flagellants uh walking toward through the town square whipping themselves and that is a very different environment than this sort of police state option where you're building watchtowers on every corner I liked how how uh, Frostpunk handled that too, because it is it's a hard mutually exclusive decision, and it'll, um, like you say, it, it colors the rest of the game once you've made that choice. Yeah, it's uh, it's a fundamental yeah. change in how the society functions, and city builders seem generally very unwilling to engage with that idea, for the most part, right? As a as a genre, and generally strategy RPGs at that sort of visual and narrative level of the locality don't engage with uh with that material very thoroughly frostpunk is one of the only examples i can think of but other games like your banished or your um uh the the series with the <laughs> with the buildings uh and that, ubisoft publishes it know, now do you know how little that oh, narrows anno. it down anno, <laughs> okay. the anno series dang my whole brain just turned right off anyways but like the anno series or you're banished or like farthest frontier which we talked about last year you can build like a church or a shrine but it's just a flat bonus of some kind to people in the area yeah it's like not it's, a, an, it's it works the same way as a police station does or, yeah it's know. not like a major change that brings a new dynamic into your village where Suddenly, like, yeah, people are happier, but we need to be concerned about the output of goods we're putting towards this thing that doesn't seem to provide this immediate tangible physical benefit or what have you, right? And it's going to matter to people in these ways, and they're going to stop working one day a week. and Things like that, right, are like, those are interesting decisions that could fold much better into strategy games, uh, and especially into ones at that sort of immediate visual level that don't quite get there. I think well, one one game that does get to that, uh, and this isn't a city builder, but um, just going back to the idea of the cult of the elite versus you know what's happening out in the countryside is kind of like the lived experience of religion. I think, I think Victoria Three is interested in that, and it. it I don't know that this. Oh, it's been a few months since I've played Victoria, but um, just the, you know, the religious makeup of each state in your in your country each province um you know you, you can look at what um what the, the how that breaks down in each area and it interacts with class as well i mean so um and and you find that the um you know groups that wind up together like out in say utah or something like that like once you've if you're playing as the united states you know you, you'll inevitably expand westward so that you know white Protestants from the East are now living alongside uh, Native American uh, people and, uh, and Mexican people. And those religious uh, beliefs are kind of, you know, interacting with each other and creating more acceptance over time uh, for each other or causing clashes too. But um, I think, and I, again, I, I don't know that this makes as much difference as maybe it could uh, gameplay wise but i do think that it's interesting that you can kind of watch that those relationships develop and um and religion does kind of play an interesting role in the background of you know the, the way that your your nation sort of develops um in in um victoria thanks to that so you know, just by accident of you know geography uh different groups of people can start to work together or accept each other more over time um and i think that's that's an, at least an interesting thing to watch happen, even if I don't know how that <laughs> really changes the game a whole lot. Well, it's so the interesting thing about Victoria, right, is that there you're not stacking modifiers. There are no modifiers. It's not like, oh, Catholic gives you, you know, plus five percent, you know, uh, loyalists from uh, 
standard of living or something like it's it's there's taboos associated with certain religions like muslims yeah. don't want to drink alcohol um but you know compared to create crusader kings where like every religion is this incredibly detailed you know character sheet of beliefs yeah. that all interact with the game in some way culture and religion in victoria are almost exclusively relevant in um how they interact with the tolerance system and with how you know loyal or radical people are based on does their religion match the state religion and what is the state you know how how hardcore is the state about enforcing their their is yeah it's it's a very social sciencey kind of game yeah yeah um so yeah that's an interesting one because you you kind of lose the dynamic of like okay well what mechanically do the doctrines of this religion do for me or how do they hinder me? But then you gain this very detailed model of religious minorities that doesn't really exist in most other strategy games. Um, So it's, uh, I don't necessarily want to say Victoria is uninterested in religion, but it's definitely interested in religion in a much different way than I think most other strategy games are. Yeah, it's interested in it as a tool of the state rather than a culture aspect, right, uh, in people's everyday mm. lives and how that changes what they do and how they do it. it. It does a little bit, right? So it has the idea of, like, the taboos, which can be associated with a religion. So, like, mm-hmm. um, Islamic countries won't produce and consume alcohol or what have you. Um, but the fundamentals there are much more about the highest the halls of power rather than the uh streets right or even the factories which is an interesting thing i guess for a series so focused on production to exclude there's the barest barest nod to that in sort of the the ottoman decisions in victoria 3 where you're looking at like should we let non-muslims into the into the ottoman military because we haven't done that for the last 600 years should we start doing that now right right and there's there's differentiation in the interest groups like, you know, the Buddhist monks in the Japanese shogunate don't necessarily want the same things that the American evangelical church does. Sure. There's the sort um, of customized, tweaked specific areas. That's absolutely true. Yeah. So so religion is kind of differentiated that way. Um, but uh, yeah, that's that's an interesting one, because I, I think one of my biggest criticisms has been religion as modifier stacking and and it occurred to me that victoria doesn't really do that at all it's interesting Uh, that it doesn't do that but it's also like the religion is still a modifier in its own special way where like uh it's a set of circumstances to deal with in terms of the things like those interest groups and then at Mm. the same time it's a funny modifier stacking thing in that it's like well let's see if we can get people converted at a higher rate or if we can uh, change the laws to accept more religions, because I don't want to take these penalties that I'm currently taking. Right. Right. And you know how you can use it to encourage immigration. Um, There's a whole separate discussion on how I think Victoria three needs to model social discrimination better and not just state discrimination, Um, both in the case of, of race and religion, because I mean, if you've lived in the American Midwest, you'll know discrimination against Catholics on a social level has definitely not completely gone away in the 21st century. Um, But uh, you know, it's, it's all focused on the government and not so much on, um, you know, Ian, you are talking about the, you know, people learning to coexist within communities, which is something that I think could be explored in a game like Victoria more. Um, yeah, the the social level of that is really important. I think there's a, yeah. uh, you know, you're, you're talking about the American Midwest, and I'm familiar with living in the rural American South, where like in smaller <laughs> towns, everyone knows the people in town who do not go to a church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, everyone knows the, like, yeah, okay, they're they're Jewish, right? That family's Jewish, but at least they go to a synagogue, right? As opposed to those people over there on the corner 
they don't go to a church at all. That and that yeah. matters in the immediate context of how the towns and economies and things like that are run and those people's welfare and their happiness, which brings me back around to thinking about city builders and, and smaller scale strategy games as a microcosm of what religion is and how it functions in games. Yeah, On that, you know, an interesting way to maybe explore this a little bit more is um, I, there was a recent uh, I think a, there was a TikTok video that kind of blew up a little bit and was talking about the concept of third spaces those uh you know, places in uh you know in a, in a community in a town a city or anything uh that aren't home and aren't work but that you spend a lot of time and you're not being actively sold something um, we don't really and the, the point of the video was to point out that we don't really have those as much anymore mm-hmm. um which i mean it all kind of ties back to the Putnam bowling alone and the idea of social capital. So the way that, um, you know, religions or that, yeah, that, that religious traditions can, that they, they, they create social spaces that either uh, they can function as third spaces to increase what I think social scientists call social capital sometimes. Um, it'd be an interesting thing to explore more. And, and again, these are, these are those kinds of social science concepts that are 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 kind of difficult to put variables on. Um, but I'd love to see that explored more in uh, in both city builders and in games like Victoria, I guess. Well, when you bring up city builders, another interesting treatment of religion that that came to mind for me was actually workers and resources, uh, which yeah. That, well, that's an interesting uh, sort of opposite day yeah. thing, right? Like, uh, yeah. If you, if you haven't heard about the drama going on with that right now, you should read up on it. Yeah, if you love game drama, that's um, uh, in some insanity. Yeah, because it's it's very much this this thing where, particularly at the start of the game, the the people want churches. They're they're good, you know, Eastern Orthodox, you know, believers. Um, but as as a as a good communist, you're not really uh supposed to encourage that really you know right it's, it's, oh, it makes them the happier yeah yeah which but, makes things easier to get done right um so yeah you kind of put up with it but they're also they're less loyal to the state which matters right state loyalty is an important aspect in that in that game mm-hmm. and so it's interesting in that uh when you start out on most of the historical maps everyone in your entire republic starts out with like a a full bar of desire to go to church. Like they like going to church. It makes them happy. They go all the time. And one of your goal, like, and you can't build churches of course, without mods. Uh, and so, you know, one of your goals in that game is to try and get the percentage of your population that cares about going to church as low as you can over time, but you can't just mm-hmm. immediately knock over all the churches or you will have a very large, unhappy workforce uh, in front of you, which is bad for your purposes. And so yeah. you have to sort of slowly over time substitute out religion for other needs like sport. And uh, if you feel, if you're feeling chancy alcohol, things like that. <laughs> that, uh, that also feels like that kind of rings true in the uh, modern United States where re- replacing religion with sports is, I think something oh. that has, has definitely uh, happened over the last hundred years in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, it's it makes me it makes me want to see that sort of idea like idea applied to um you know if if you're playing uh it, like if you're if you're playing a game where you know you come in and there's a bunch of pagans and your goal is to convert them all to your organized religion but you you can't just be like okay, stop all the festivals, take those wreaths down, we're burning everything like you, you you kind of have to do what was done historically, which is like, all right, so officially we're not on board with the pagan stuff, but we'll let you keep. We'll say that this is about Jesus now. It's fine. You can do the wreaths. You can do, you know, you can put your socks out. Put candy in. Well, it's, it's fine. Like, just 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 it's about Jesus. All right. Like that, that kind of idea of like syncretism, I don't think we really see explored as much either um in yeah in... not not that yeah. commonly touched on yeah the concept and i think 
it's possible. So like one of the most interesting, I'm trying to think about uh, alternate representations and mm-hmm. you saying that brought to mind um, Terra Invicta, which actually had a very interesting and genuine religious plot line in it with um, mm-hmm. the, the faction of the servants, which start out as this sort of generic, the aliens are divine beings and we should worship them uh, group that you could play as. And over time shifts to be, it's a, it's a genuine uh, representation as you watch the leadership of the servants react to the aliens' behavior and the way that they are acting and the people they're killing and the decisions they make as they're conquering earth, watching them adapt their religious beliefs and experiences as a sort of mystical spiritual cult to the circumstances on the ground and then over time organize and morph their sort of cultish uh mystical mystery religion beliefs into an organized religion that has to accomplish things and build spaceships is really one of the more nuanced depictions of a religion in a strategy game it's possible that's that's how it should be done right is yeah if it's going to be about religion then that whole group of people needs to interact with that and the other factions need to treat them as oh, those are those are the religious people in town or what have you because there's not a religion mechanic like you're not converting countries to the alien religion or whatever right. but religion is extremely important to their story which is just a completely different angle to come at it from that i think ends up being really interesting in that specific yeah it ends as a purely narrative concept yeah um Definitely. I never would have thought of Terra Invicta as as a, a call out to that. But yeah, you're you're totally right with uh as just a just a different way of tackling it. Um that's really interesting. Um bringing up mystery cults made me actually think of I don't remember which Rome 2 campaign it was, but one of the DLC campaigns they actually added like mystery cults as a thing that you could kind of like accept or, 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 you know, quash in your provinces, which again, just, I, I love mechanics like that where it's like the people are doing religion and you're not really in charge of how they do religion and you have to kind of decide how to react to it. Um, especially in games about antiquity, I think where it was, like it, religion was not what we think of it as today uh at all um yeah Imperator i think that's one had, of the cool yeah. things that the old world dlc is doing if you're not familiar with old world and you're listening this is the um ancient world 4x that's sort of character driven uh by Bohawk games which is civ 4 designer soren johnson um and his crew and their new DLC, which is called the Sacred and the Profane and just came out last month, focuses on ancient religions as a spreading thing, as a new thing, and really deepens that gameplay by bringing in these characters and having clergy as members of your court and the ruling class of your of your empire and your nations. Um, and I think one of the most interesting things is that it gives all the separate religions and people who are of that religion a set of opinions of you as a state, right? Which means that like, you can have a religious minority in your empire that doesn't hate you because of the way you behave, right? It isn't oppressed. Like, we rule this city. Yeah, they're a different religion from almost everyone else and from their rulers, but it's okay. Or can have that religious group be displeased with the way you conduct yourselves and therefore cause chaos or rebel or generally have dissent from your empire. Um, And also gives the gives those various religious cults their own um, their own buildings that they can add to your cities that you don't control when they're added. Right. Like if the cult is happy enough that it lives in your empire it will build these things on its own. There's also the the interesting decision in Old World that I really like where you, I mean, you cannot have a state religion, like that's an option, but then you also 
when when like when one of the world religions is founded, I think it's Zoroastrianism, Judaism, Christianity, and uh, what's the fourth one? Um, I'm blanking on on what the fourth one is. It's not. Uh, I mean, there's Hellenism. <clears throat> they don't go as far as as Islam in the timeline, but no, um, there's Manichaeism. Manichaeism, I think, is it? Yeah. So. You can adopt one of those, but then also you can, if you go far enough down the tech tree, you can just turn your national pagan religion into a state religion. So you can, you know, turn Roman paganism, which is just this thing that has kind of arisen organically. I I still do think it kind of skews more towards cult of the elite than what the people in the countryside are, are, are actually up to. But, um, but then, you know, you lose you lose out on sort of the ability to, you know, commiserate with co-religionists who also follow the same world religion as you. And then I also think you're limited in, in the bonuses you can get with that. I think only world religions can get like the full spread of. They call them doctrines. I'm, I, theologies. <laughs> theologies. Yeah, is what it's called. So. You you can kind of have more control over this like legalized ethnic state cult, or you know you can adopt you know a a, a more universalist religion that maybe was founded in your empire, or maybe was founded in another empire. Yeah, and those sort of uh, yeah national religions, those paganism religions, don't they don't produce like the uh the disciple units that go and right. mm-hmm. act as missionaries and spread the religion right like they don't they're they're represented as so closely intertwined with culture that they do not spread in that way right mm-hmm. it's also yeah i guess that's also a kind of a mm, acknowledgement of that phenomenon i mentioned earlier where you know there's there are religions that like to proselytize and then there are those that don't yeah, yeah. Kind of make that split where okay, all of a sudden, a world religion has political ambitions, therefore, you know, more. You know, because that because of the fact that this is now aligned with the state and a, and a culture in a way that is larger than the you know the regional or local uh, traditions of a of a tribe or a people might have had in the you know the, the pagan cultures that they're representing. Mm-hmm. Um, now all of a sudden, yeah, you've got this, you've got these disciples that go out and spread the word. That's kind of interesting. I yeah. think that's, yeah, it's kind of cool. And it becomes like, it becomes another way to deal with like the tribal societies that will like spawn around you in old world. Um, because you know, you yeah, have those, by spreading those... your religion to those mm-hmm. tribes, you can sort of encourage them to go attack people who aren't their co-religionists. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting little DLC. I think it's still like it's very event driven, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think it is. World. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's an especial thing to point out, which is that it takes a very boutique approach to how each religion is designed because the, because they're so event driven, because they have all this specific pop ups are going to happen with specific characters doing exact things and having results. And you can react to them based on who your ruling characters are. But the interesting thing about that is that that's a solution that, as we've talked about throughout this show, works better at a more focused level where you can control outcomes, right? Without having to try and simulate wild, unexpected scenarios. The the way Old World is designed is with a tight set of exact cultures to appear on the map in any given game. Uh, behaving a specific set of ways and expanding and building according to their exact needs, it this kind of approach begins to fall apart as soon as you even approach something like Civ, which has dozens of possible factions and a much less character-driven design philosophy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was staying within the same era. I was also going to mention Imperator as a a game that had a very interesting take. I think on religion as a more localized matter um it was still at the state level and not really the province level but you had the idea that like okay 
everybody in this Hellenic cultural sphere, our province religion is Hellenic, but like, you know, Athens and, you know, Sparta don't necessarily have the same gods in their civic pantheon. And there were even different, like there's different Apollos, different cults of Apollo, depending on where in the Hellenic yeah. world you are, which was really cool. Um, uh, I'd love to see more stuff like that. I'd love to see it take it even further to the point that like you have local cults that aren't necessarily under, I mean, they're, they're under the protection, but not necessarily the aegis of the state where I have to deal with this particular temple of Athena because they're locally influential, not because I picked Athena as my patron or whatever. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, just kind of, kind of armchair game designing here. Well, I <laughs> think that's part of it is kind of high level, but yeah, there's a lot of great ideas that could come together. I think in an interesting way, but it, you do wind up having some really difficult decisions to make uh, on the way. And you know, I'm thinking of, you know, how about, you know, a, a situation where it, like in, in workers and resources, you have a local cult of Athena that's expedient to keep around uh, because of some, I don't know, some uh, hunting bonus or, or some political bonus that, that happens locally. But um as soon as they become too powerful, then all of a sudden, okay, well, the state's uh, relationship to this cult has changed, and we have to. Yeah, yeah, um, and that is what the the cults in the old world expansion do. That's really cool. Yeah, very. They sort of have these events and things associated with them, and, and can show up in specific ways. But you do end up with things like that, like the priesthood of okay, Delphi, yeah. which was considered. You know, the the or the priesthood of the oracle was a power unto itself outside of Hellenic yes. religion as a cultural force. You had people of other religions who were interested in interfacing with them and what they did because to to the mind of the time they clearly had a sort of mystic connection and importance that went above and beyond sort of pure cultural religious interface, right? Right. Um but yeah, I, I want to see my dream is that I will one day see a uh, a religious game that successfully tackles incredibly complex social moments like when the cult of the, the great mother goddess moved to Rome and uh, the people of Rome were horrified and shocked by the appearance of an order of uh, flagellant, self-castrating ecstatic worship dance priests uh, and their big <laughs> meteor rock that they worshipped showing up uh, because the oracle said you need to move this uh, cult to Rome and so the Romans did right like I, I want to see those sorts of religious shocks and major cultural shifts occur and uh, see that kind of fallout happen in games yeah. and have meaningful interaction yeah I and you know we talked about um, a little bit with you know yeah, the ecumenical councils. One of my like weird pet historical, I guess, hobby horses is sort of like the first three or four centuries of the development of Western Christianity. Um, well, I guess it was wasn't really Western at that point because the the West and East hadn't really split. But um, you know, things like okay, so th they make the emperor makes Christianity legal and then eventually makes it the state religion. And so all of these, like, uh, you know, sort of guys who had been out in the desert on the spiritual quest need to find other ways to, like, suffer for their faith. And, you know, you end up with, you know, like guys like like um, uh, Simeon Stylites, who, like, stood on the pillar for, you know, years or something and, and the development of monasticism and these people who are trying to get away from the worldliness of what the organized religion of Christianity is becoming and trying to touch on something more personal and more esoteric. Like I find that stuff super fascinating and how that kind of developed into the monastic culture of, uh, of late antique and medieval Christianity. Um, you know, seeking deprivation because you're not oppressed by the state anymore and, and you 
still you have to find other ways to 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 suffer and and give penance and like that 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 stuff has always been super interesting to me and i'd love to see a strategy game that tackles that aspect of uh no i i completely agree with you and i think that Mm -hmm. a major aspect of stuff like that would be looking at these events and people as they form at that time scale of like a couple hundred years mm-hmm. where an individual as a movement, an individual as the originator of a movement, right. Um, like is a major force, right? Like imagine the the world, if guy who stands on top of a pillar became one of the most important and major saints of, uh, of Christianity rather than like Paul, Mm-hmm. going around writing letters telling people what to do like that's a much more legalistic rather than personal mystical religion right right uh, right if the guy who stands on a pillar is the infamous originator and everything he has to say is very important mm-hmm. yeah um, there's there's a lot of unexplored space i think um in terms of strategy games around uh faith and religion um Ian, do you have any final thoughts? Any other like interesting takes that you've seen or would like to see? Well, I think one thing that I would like to see, and we've, we, I think this has come up um, mostly when we talk about uh, paradoxes approach, but I think it's it's probably true broadly of the tech industry, the games industry. But like, we're you know talk about um, the value that representation has in game development, and I think. One thing that we're lacking there is the, you know, something different from the kind of standard 21st century um, tech, very scientific or, you know, agnostic uh, point of view that, I mean, kind of, I mean, even in trying to give respect to these various traditions, there's, there is this kind of unified, I think, view, or at least lens that, okay, well, this is all silly bullshit. We all know that, right? Like, so getting I don't know how you get away from that, but I would like to see like, you know, more um I don't know, I guess like views that don't align perfectly with mine about like what religion is and how it functions. And so I I, I don't know what that would look like, but I'd like to see it. I think that would be just an interesting way because I, I tech and uh, you know game development just by its nature, I think um sort of excludes that so yeah some of my favorite favorite like tabletop games uh, tabletop role-playing game worlds and stuff are made by uh people who are things like a you know a religious historian or a yeah uh, a practicing shaman right simply because they have such profoundly different uh points of view and priorities and fundamental ideas to engage with over games that are more immediately made by uh someone with the same beliefs as i have necessarily yeah well i mean one thing like i guess the the analog that i'd make would be uh how different disco elysium felt because it was it was it's a marxist game made by marxists right Um, yeah it it was a a separate complete separate set of of basic political assumptions and Mm -hmm. self-analysis going on there like even if you take aside the idea that it is a um very intelligently written and and self-reflective game that understands the the complexity yeah. of politics and sort of fundamental political decisions about how human societies should live and behave right if you take away all that quality it still is fundamentally interesting because it comes from a different opinion space than yeah. a detective yeah. game made by someone in like the Gabriel Knight games or whatever made by someone in sure. Washington state in the nineties. Right. Well, like, so, right. That's what I want to see. I want to see a, like a thoroughly Zoroastrian game. Like, what does that look? Like? Yeah. Uh-huh. I don't know. You have to find the few remaining modern Zoroastrians. I know it's, this is a tough one, but I mean, that would be fascinating though. I'd love to see what that looked like. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, you know, something that I've, I've, I brought up very briefly as not, not a condemnation, but a, a a criticism that I think is legitimate criticism of the way paradox, the paradox lens on history as being this very like Northern European, very non-religious, very clinical 
um, view, especially of, of, you know, how they break down religion. So I, yeah, I would love to see somebody who is, um, you know, like, a you know, has a PhD in Islamic studies. There was a YouTuber who did a really good, uh, critique on CK three, who was a PhD in Islamic studies and how they portrayed Islam in that game. And, uh, you know, I'd love to see someone like that. Do, like make make your game like make your your crusader kings i would love to see that perspective uh because you you can't capture everything like we're not talking about a one-to-one simulation of reality you have to decide what to focus on but i think yeah. there's a lot of lenses you could use to look at these same eras that are very very different from what we're used to in the total war or in you know a, a europe universalis which aptly named or uh <laughs> yeah. uh you know even a civilization um you know the things that they don't even think about to 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 focus on um would be very cool um if you are listening to this uh and you're okay with sharing um i would i'd love to hear what did you grow up like how did you grow up in terms of like a religious upbringing, what's your relationship with religion today? What do you think are some strategy games that have an interesting take on that? Um, or what would you like to see done differently? We're going to be bringing back something similar to the old Q and a show format in March. Um, so if you leave that on our forums or, you know, if you want to send it to at three MA on Twitter, um, the forums, by the way, at idlethumbs.net slash three MA as three moves ahead is hosted on the idle thumbs network uh we might read out some of those um in this uh this new bonus show format we're going to be doing um as sort of like a follow-up to some discussions that we've had on here um so yeah we'd love to hear your take on that um patreon.com slash 3ma if you'd like to support the show tiers are changing i know i've said that a couple times but as of march uh we're gonna have new patreon tiers and I can kind of tease that it's um, it's moving in an egalitarian direction. You're going to be able to get access to some things that used to be um, only for higher tiers are now going to be available to some of the uh, the more affordable tiers um, in in the future. I think it's going to seem like a win for most uh, most of you uh, who are already pledging. We appreciate your support uh, a lot. Um, yeah, and I think that's going to do it for this week. So, uh, for Ian and for John, this is Len saying good night.